Podcasts. Three men will risk it all. Eric Brandstrom, Michael Gauvier, Travis Roy. Cinema Nine Podcast. After a week off, after a lovely time in the boonies, we're back on the... You know what I mean? Travis Roy, Eric Brasher, Michael Govier. We're talking movies. That's what we do here on the Cinema Night Podcast. Today, we're going to focus on Judgment Night, 1993 movie. Selected by Eric Brasher. Does it hold up or not? We'll find out. We'll talk about the soundtrack, I'm sure, as well. And over some of our viewing picks. But first, as we return from our one week off, Travis Roy... Uh, where are you? How are you feeling at this time in your life? <laughs> how am I feeling? Well, um, like that's it's not a good time to ask me how I'm doing because I'll just like openly uh, complain about my health. Basically, I've been I've been sick with two different respiratory diseases or you know, viruses in a month. For your myself, health? Yep, had myself a nice bout of uh, food poisoning yesterday. That was fun too. It's just mm. been a hell of a tear over here. Things are going great. And they're only Every getting day. better. <laughs> wow. Hey, yeah, I'm excited. Run. This sounds like a good time over there at Travis's place. We should Sweet. all pop on by. Yeah, Sweet. come, come breathe my air. Come breathe my air. Come breathe my hair. <laughs> come breathe my hair. <laughs> come on, my son. No. Come on, my son. <laughs> all right. All right, Mike, all, er, right. Hey, all right. Eric Bradstrom, uh, what's cooking? Uh, a Stouffer's meatloaf in my oven right now that I got to check on in five minutes. Mm. That sounds fucking right. terrible. Yeah, a Stouffer's meatloaf. Awful. Not excited That's... at all. I love never... yourself. Do better than yeah. this. Yeah, I've never bought a frozen meatloaf. Yeah, the That's cover looks time, uh... I bought it. <laughs> all right. Wow. I just don't know of all the options in a frozen food aisle, the things yeah. you could select. I panicked. I, mean... I, I like, uh, you know, yeah, you definitely meatloaf songs. I love two out of three in bed. So I went with meatloaf. And... There's oh, no relationship yeah. there. I like black dog. Oh, <laughs> I would do anything for food, but I wouldn't do that. No, that's for sure. But I won't cook dinner. I won't eat, I won't eat. Beds away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I won't do that. Uh, yeah, uh, my voice is still a tad bit hoarse, so I don't know if it's. I can't quite hit all the notes yet. A tad Mostly line? back. Mostly back. 
Uh, feeling good here, Livonia, Michigan. Uh, watching this dog for the final week, and uh, definitely watch some movies. Uh, we had a great time up north at our annual feast thing. That was mm. a good time. Yes, Travis, I know. Travis, sad. Couldn't uh, be there. Couldn't be there. I know, but it doesn't mean we didn't have a good time. I'm and uh, you know, society's uh doing well. Society's humming along. So inflation's up. Things are looking good. And I got to tell you, I'm excited for 2022. We're going to have a big year at the Cinema 9 Podcast. We got our Thanksgiving coming up in a couple of weeks. We're not yeah. sure. I think we might be taking the week off. Although last year we did a show, didn't we? That's strange. Uh, I believe we did last year. Because we've never not. taken a week off. Until, yeah, until, until uh, yeah, I think November might be a little late for us. Cause, uh, or a little light for us. Because Eric has family coming in for Thanksgiving. And I'm going to see family for Thanksgiving. So I don't, I'm not sure that... That we'll be able to have an last, episode. Yeah. Thinking. last year was our infamous home for the holidays episode, but I think we recorded <laughs> like on a Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, so maybe we can out. arrange something like that. Uh, yeah. maybe. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a good idea too. So there are other days of the week we can try to make shit happen. So <laughs> I'm into it. All right, cool. Well, uh, as far as the show, we always appreciate you guys subbing. Our YouTube channel has doubled in size recently. That's nice. Uh, wow. Although we didn't have that many followers in the first place. <laughs> we'll take but, it, though. We appreciate it. Yeah, we're knocking on the door to 50. Look at us. It's exciting. Woo-hoo. And uh, I will say we also got some positive feedback from the people at our uh, gathering last weekend. People said they liked the show, and they said it had a lot of potential. So, Thanks to uh, some of the people who said that last weekend. Very positive feedback. And they said we should keep going, and we're as good as anybody out there when it comes to movies. I was thinking that I appreciate that. I was th- I was thinking today about how I'm a failed filmmaker and how I'm like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> totally as qualified as anybody else. You know, if you might as well listen to my bullshit if you're going to listen to anybody else. And these guys, obviously, <laughs> Mike and Eric, come in with good opinions as always. Well, most of the time. Most of the time. Eric's sometimes harsh on Marvel movies. But other than that. <laughs> well, there you have it. Now you have the uh, the gist of everything. Uh, okay, good time. Uh, hello from uh, Jilk Monet is back. He's saying, nice there to see is. you guys. That's a very positive response. Thank you for that. Nice to see you, too. It nice sounds pine. friendly. Uh, oh, yeah, you got a nice pine. Ca- what kind yeah, of nice, candles you got, guys? We have two nice different cedar. candles lit. Right I got here. cedar and evergreen. It's really good. P- pumpkin patchouli. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it was on sale. Pumpkin patchouli. I think I went to school with him. (laughs) That's so dumb. By the way, uh, somebody on Friday or Saturday wanted to start calling Petrusi Patchouli all the time. And I'm like, that's not funny at all. Uh, I don't think that's not very clever. Mm. Yeah, I know. It's very disappointing, that person. Well, it starts with a P, ends in a vowel. There's syllables. Yeah, that's about it, though. I think we can do better. I think we can do better than that. I, I agree. I believe you. Uh, no emails this week. A five-star rating on Apple Podcast continues to boost us. We got one from somebody a couple weeks ago. I don't know if we mentioned it, but I'll mention it again. And it was oh. very lovely. It was from uh, the Gambit Killer or Killer Gambit, whoever that yeah. person was. And they said they love the show. Very informative. Good times. And worth a few laughs. So thank you so much. That's what makes the show worthwhile. Sure. We'd like to do it either way, but if people enjoy it, that's just a bonus for us to keep on going, right? <laughs> It is nice when people, you know, listen. So we appreciate it. And when they say nice things, too. That's also Ah, yes. Cool All right. So we've been off for a week. So there could be a big buildup of movies here for quarantine viewing <laughs> oh, picks. Travis, oh uh, since you haven't gone anywhere and been ill, I assume there's a lot of stuff you consumed. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. what else are you going to do, really? Yeah, there's been a lot of watching of, of movies and some TV shows. Oh, uh, yeah. I've been watching. I'm, I got an episode or two left of Only Murders in the Building. That new oh. show. Oh, Steve Martin and um, 
now that I'm on, I mean, Martin um, Short, excuse me, I blanked on his name there. Uh, I'm enjoying it. Definitely, yeah. definitely fun. Have you been watching it, Eric? I've, I've been hearing really good things. Yeah, not mind blowing, but very like kind of quaint and nice. Like just like oh, a nice little murder mystery kind of thing. It's it's fun. It's fun. I've been liking that. Um, I watched uh, I watched a couple classic films I'd never seen before. I watched oh. The Seventh Seal from 1957. Um, you know, lives up to the hype. <laughs> like a, a very yeah. solid film. Um, I, I you know what can I say about this? half a century old movie but i enjoyed it what would you say <laughs> um i watched the general from 1926 okay uh, here we go yeah that was that was also Christ, you know, pretty hilarious what that is. What? dude <laughs> when he takes that log to get that piece oh, yeah. of wood off the tracks fucking amazing buster keaton's a master i uh I, I showed it to my students i'd actually never seen okay. it before but i'm just like uh you know we're talking about like early film like fuck it, i'm gonna show them i'm gonna show them the, the general i thought you were talking about the general's great. dog Daughter. No, 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 no. Although that has been <laughs> trending on Netflix for some ungodly reason. I remember that shit film. I don't. It was a bad movie. Um, so, so it was Halloween. Yeah, I watched a lot of. I watched a lot of horror movies, like many that I'd seen before, like Perfect okay. Darkness and Scream. Um, yeah. I watched Hellraiser from 1987. Wow! Finally we, got around to it. Well, you know, the movie. The very thought of the movie scared the shit out of me since I was a kid. I walked through a room like when I, like a guy was getting skinned or something. Like I watched through when I was a kid. At that scene, I'm like, oh, I'm never gonna ever fucking watch that movie. And I start the movie, and I sit down with my sandwich or whatever, and just like <laughs> Dude, skin insane. and flesh and chunks of human just like flopping around. I'm like, oh man, what am I getting my fucking? Okay, so in? so what the fuck is a cenobite? Like, what is Pinhead? Like, what, I mean, what's going a, on here? Uh, I would assume that he's a human turned demon from hell. Oh, okay, but I'm a fucking demon. He's a fucking demon, uh, and that was enjoyable. Speaking of fucking demons from hell, at the at the at the recommendation of friend of the show Aaron, I uh, watched Uncle Peckerhead from 2020. You guys, <laughs> this movie's solid gold. I, I'm gonna give it five out of five stars. Um, it is a fun feature about a punk rock band that goes on the road and they pick up this roadie who just happens to like turn into a demon every night for about 13 minutes where he has to feast on human oh, flesh. And uh, it is way over the top, low budget, labor of love. Starts off and you're like, what the fuck am I getting into? And it just like somehow gets better and better. So Uncle Peckerhead, I'm definitely going to recommend that. Uncle um, Peckerhead. Uncle wow. fucking Peckerhead. Good stuff. Uh, a bad oh. stuff. I watched The Stand, the uh, miniseries, the yep. new miniseries mm. from 2020. Oh. Uh, I'm just here to tell you, don't waste your time if you haven't already. Um, I can't Why is it so bad? Did you watch it? No, I just heard it was awful. Well, you're making puke noises like you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. that's the uh, cedar. That's the uh, cedar and evergreen candle. I got to blow it out. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just like most of all, it's it's like a, a bunch of really questionable choices of editing. Like the movie is just a mess, or the show, I guess, is just a mess. I mean, like. There is you cannot connect to the characters, and I've read the book and seen the other movies, and I know what's going on, but you cannot connect to these characters because it's all being told completely out of order for no reason whatsoever. It's just like they put the fucking movie or show or whatever in a blender and just crapped out a bunch of, and just put it in, like in random. It's bizarre. It's just it's baffling almost to watch. How bizarre! Uh, so, however good some of the performances <laughs> and stuff were, it's just like this is like hardly making sense, and you can't connect to the characters. Um, there are, I mean, there are some high points. Don't get me wrong, but like by the time it was over, I'm like, what the fuck did I just waste my time? <laughs> <laughs> and you, you're really hitting a lot of lyrical notes with your words today. 
Got me wrong. Uh, maybe the music is in you, my friend. You're the one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're the one Actually, it is I who is doing that. It I'm is sorry. you. Um, it's like a little plush toy that like responds to like words. <laughs> Startle singing a '90s rock song. Oh yeah. Like, you, you say one thing, you make some random <laughs> connection to something else, and it's Teddy cool. Ruxpin of '90s rock. <laughs> uh, I watched there will friends. be blood. I also yes. said that to my students. <laughs> I'm like, uh, you know, oh, it's I'm a historical like, film. Uh, yeah, my seniors as a senior class, but uh, you know, it's, I got to just walk around and be like, I am an oil man. I got to walk around and do that for a week. You didn't say fun. that. You didn't say I abandoned my child. I abandoned my child. <laughs> no, in my I, class. I, uh, I, I did. I did. The what? The what? I what I found myself saying over and over again was, I have a competition in me. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. I abandoned my boy. I, yeah, well, it's, I am in a classroom setting, so I couldn't go quite full on. No, you can like go it. feast mode in your class. <laughs> no, no, didn't go full feast mode. Uh, um, I watched um, the Marvel film Eternals. You know, it's a highly divisive movie. People seem to have a lot of feelings. Oh, people are pissed. Well, I mean, it's uh, it's. I think it's one of the more divisive uh, receptions I've seen out of a Marvel movie in a long time. I thoroughly fucking enjoyed it. I liked it quite a bit, and uh, I will look forward to seeing it again. Um, okay. Do I have to see uh, Shang Chi first? No, I had I have not seen Shang Chi either. It comes out tomorrow. Oh, Shang Chi, sorry, it's a, we forgive you. It comes out tomorrow on Disney Plus, um, oh. so I'll finally watch that then. But there's it's the Eternals very much standalone thing. It reminds me kind of of Guardians, a little, Guardians of the Galaxy a little bit, only with oh. way less funny, um, oh. but but very cosmic and like very standalone. Hmm. Um. I'll wrap this up here. Uh, I tried watching Lansky new new Harvey Keitel film. I, I one of the first movies I've turned off in a long time. I, I was just wow. ready for bed, but I was also like, why would I come back to this? I'm, I'm going to let myself let this one go. So I'm not going to recommend that. Um, another one I went back to that I hadn't seen in a long time um, was the interview from 2014. Why did I return to this film? I don't know, but I watched it again and went, ugh. I think I, I think I'm good on that. Last but not least, I watched a couple a couple other new films. I watched a new Tom Hanks Apple Plus film, Finch. Okay, I enjoyed Finch. Um, you know, very aiming at the heartstrings, a little heavy handed, but uh, you know, it's it's Tom Hanks, a robot and a dog. I mean, you know, what do you want? Like, it's it's good. It's not. I, I wouldn't call it great, but I, I I liked it. And then the movie that really has made a big splash that I have not seen a single bad review about is The Harder They Fall, the new western on uh, Netflix. Which I alone stand here fucking hating. I, I just fucking hated it so much. And then, like, I finished it up. I'm like, get on Twitter. I'm like, what do people think? And then, just like, all the reviews, every, everybody fucking loves this movie but me. So, um, yeah. I, I just like, it takes a, I mean, it, it takes a bunch of real people and like and completely deletes them of their history and just keeps their name and I guess their skin color <sighs> and, and like, plugs uh... them into this movie. And just creates a whole and like it's and it's like uh, it's just slow motion swaggering for most of it. I mean, uh, and I know a lot of people would would vehemently disagree with me, and I get it because I mean there is a lot of like there's a lot of style here. There's a there's a really kick ass soundtrack. The performances. I mean, you're talking Regina fucking King. You're talking Idris Elba, uh, Jonathan Majors, uh, Lakeith Stanfield. I mean, these are some oh my fucking God. heavy hitters, dude. These are these are some of the best actors working right now. But like, I really feel like they like, I feel like they're they're phoning it in. I felt like there was a lot of like they they knew they didn't have to try too hard going on. Jonathan Majors is definitely going for it, and Lakeith Stanfield's doing something kind of different. But I felt like for the most part, like I don't know, man. And then like it all just shoot like I don't know net, these Netflix films. They all just look like 
They all look the same. They all look like yeah. that fucking like Adam Sandler. Movies. They all look like that Adam Sandler movie where he, like he tells things and the kids uh, come. Yep. Bedtime stories. Fake movies. They all look like that. They all look like this DV. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, this, yeah. I just, I just yep, hate the look exactly. of it. Been so saying that forever. Yeah. And again, yeah, like, there was, just, uh, go ahead. There's some some type of uh, controversy with this movie. I'm, I'm I actually I'm not sure what you're talking about. But. It's probably a manufactured controversy. Yeah, I can't. This I is mean, the uh, yeah. I I read an article about it where somebody was pissed about something and they were taking a stand about the fact because it was oh that's what it was because people were saying that uh it was an attempt to show that there were black cowboys back in the day, which, which is, is cool. Abs- yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. And that, that's why they, I mean they took real people and their names and you know yes. Okay, that's what it was. It was based on true events, right? So, well, no, that's the thing. Oh that's, that's no, what, that's what I'm saying. Like, imagine they took a movie with a bunch. Oh, they they take a, a bunch. You know, they take Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass and Booker uh, T. Washington and W. E. B. Du Bois, and they put them all in a film, and they're robbing a bank, and they all know each yeah. other, <laughs> and like, you know what I mean? Like, they fall in love with I don't know, fucking Rosa Parks. So it's like <laughs> League of Extraordinary Gentlemen with black cowboys and it, it, <laughs> historical figures. I don't know. And, and again, like on, I'm man. sitting here railing against this movie and I, again, am very much in the minority. This is getting very big reviews. Um, I, I can see where a lot of people would love the fucking swagger, would love the style in this film. Like I, I, I do. Re- yeah. like I'm, I didn't like it. I, I do recommend making your own decision, obviously. But uh, yeah, so I watched a lot of new new movies. I'll just rewatch Posse, the Mario Van Peebles '90s western. It's fucking awesome. I'm, I mean, again, like, I, I, like I, I don't know. Maybe my expectations were too high. I was definitely like, I'm gonna fucking love this movie. You know, Idris Elba's in a little slump, my opinion, man. Like, uh, uh, I fucking love Suicide Squad, so I don't know. Turned it off. I loved Suicide yeah, Squad. Suicide Squad was good. I loved it. So was solid. It? Rock solid. It was fucking solid. Starro. Starro. Yeah, he was definitely good in it too. So. Starro and Polka Dot Man. I'm all yeah. about Starro and Polka Dot Man. Love them. All right, uh, Eric Branstrom, you have control of the board. Mike, you know goddamn well we watched Full Body Massage with Mimi Rogers <laughs> and Brian Brown. <laughs> Holy shit. Beginning really? to Not end. Big. Yeah, wow. let's not pretend that didn't happen. We all sat this there. This is how Doug does it, thing. the original. Yep. But it took it, so long to get to that point. I never <laughs> sat through the whole movie myself. This yeah. movie. Go ahead, please. Just take Wait, over. Mike, keep going. Take it from there. Grab the ball. This movie is like, it's two people with these random scenes coming. And even though the whole movie takes place for one body massage, essentially a full body massage. Yeah. that is the longest yep. massage in history that goes through several different really episodes. Like this section. And then we're going over here for this yeah. section. And then these people just keep... These memories keep flying into a conversation the that is so, are so pretentious. Dumb. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's like I'm some no guy's masseuse. a suitcase outside a door. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, and like, I'm no masseuse, but like, I know deep tissue massages, and Brian Brown <laughs> barely even hits any pressure points here. Like, what the fuck's going on? And that dude, really the, dumb. the guy who's clearly not a Native American, dressed up as like this Native American yeah. standing in the corner that is yeah. like so poorly done and that he like it shows up and zooms up on his face and then it it's just supposed to be powerful away. but it's clearly just laughable yeah it's just uh, ridiculously oh my god this would be i always thought this would be a great fucking academy award worthy film I, i'm <laughs> blown away here by this review talent i mean the pretentious conversations too are the worst they're talking in like such deep and philosophical yeah. terms about life mimi really- rogers she's nude trying to have this serious like yeah. philosophical conversation while brian brown massages her and tells her how it really is yeah. mimi rogers <laughs> beautiful woman but like 
clearly she's just on screen to be nude while some dumb Chinese proverb is like compounded oh, yeah. onto the screen. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> the proverbs come up like every 15 minutes. It's like these oh, flashcards. Weird. <laughs> so bizarre. Very funny, though, with a group of friends. Yeah. I will say many laughs were had. <laughs> you know what? I only had to watch a couple episodes. You guys were, I come upstairs. I come downstairs from like a, three hours of nonstop laughter. You guys kept me up all morning. I finally go downstairs. Like, oh, what the yeah. fuck is so goddamn funny? This show, I think you should leave. Tim Robinson. Whoa. It's so funny. I went back and watched the, both of the seasons at home. Hilarious. I have to concur. I got to jump into that. I'd never seen the show and Hilarious. I laughed Laugh a ton. Loud, it was really and then forget that I was I only watched it at the beginning with like two people. Yeah. It was like 8 a.m. Yeah. But I was laughing and I probably ruined the yeah. day for a lot of people. But it was, well, so you know, funny. like the hungover laugh or like you laugh at anything. I don't even think this was that. This is no. generally funny. No, I came back home and watched it a couple more episodes. That's a funny show. Yeah. Um, fear. I checked back in. I know I checked in for the first time with fear. You guys. First, the first uh, time? I'm not talking Reese Witherspoon, dude. I'm talking 1990 uh, Ali Sheedy thriller. Uh, he's a psychic who like who's hunting down like a psychic killer. I, it's solid. I like the film. It's on Tubi. Be your own judge, man. Pruitt Taylor Vince. I, I dug the film. I always loved Ali Sheedy. Is he the serial killer? Well, come on. You be the. Come on. You tell me. <laughs> You're not going to cast him as the killer. Poor Pruitt Taylor Vince sat there and watched Mac and me in its entirety. Mac, uh, Mike, you know the story here. Mike, we sat there and watched Mac and me from 1988 in its entirety. And I got to tell you, the movie's fucking horrible. Oh, yeah. We got a great score by Alan Silvestri, of all people. Like, the score is solid. Yeah. He did did Judgment Night. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I was thinking of. The Blob, 1988 remake, Travis. I think you had mentioned it. Yeah. I finally got, I've been waiting. I've been wanting to watch it all season, Halloween season. I finally watched the Chuck Russell remake. Loved it. It's great. Loved it, man. We got a Frank Darabont screenplay. Yeah. In great direction by Chuck Russell. Like this campy, fun 50s, but updated imaginatively. Kevin Dillon. Loved it. Loved it. It's good stuff. Great practical effects. Mm -hmm. Fucking awesome. Yeah, and it kind of, and just like I mean, like Darabont and horror, like he they go it goes to some places where you're like, fuck, all right. Yeah, it really <laughs> does, man. Yeah. Uh speaking of remakes, I sat there and watched the fucking poltergeist remake starring Sam Rockwell. How it was, was on. It? Was I was it? in like in Halloween mode. I'm like, whatever's on AMC, I'm just gonna turn the TV on, and just deal with it while yeah. I'm like like dusting off this like skull I'm gonna put in my yard. <laughs> I, I kinda I kinda liked it. I yeah. kinda liked it. I think the original is a masterpiece, but I love all three. I kind of, I kind of liked it. I mean, like, one part of me is like, well, Sam Rockwell, I could sit there and watch the guy read the phone book. Sure. So anything he does is going to be entertaining. But as like a reimagining and just like a family dealing with this uh, haunted house, I, I kind of like the film. I, I'm not going to dog it anymore. And the clowns, I'll give it this. Remember the clown scene in the original? Like oh, scary, like scary. The clown was oh. scary, but I think, oh fuck. I think really? this the remake did the clown scene better. Everything else didn't do better, but the clown scene, I think they did it better. Did they use real human corpses to throw at the actors? Sadly, no. <laughs> oh, no then, sadly, yeah, they definitely no. didn't want up the original then, did yeah. they? Oh. <laughs> uh, Bird Box. I went back to Netflix, checked it out again. There's some genuinely fucking really cool moments in it. I like Ultimately, it's just one of those, like, like you said, like these... Like these uh, churned out Netflix DV looking, mm-hmm. just weird looking movies that you can tell are just like <laughs> shat out by committee. But there's some genuinely really cool moments in Malkovich is fucking awesome in it. Uh, but yeah, 
I mean, that's it, man. I mean, what can you say? It's been a hell of a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Here, here. Been a hell of a couple of weeks. <laughs> Make it sound so intense for a pretty boring life, I'm sure. So, uh, Anyways, I know I try to spice my life up, too, with words. I watch movies. I got a few to catch up on here. Okay. So, like Travis, Hang Tough, bear with me. Going back to the previous week, I watched uh, The Untouchables, which I had not seen in Hell a really yeah, long man. time. Which was inspired by the De Palma documentary that I watched on Showtime, which yes. is just De Palma. Yes. Have you seen this? Uh, Loved it, man. Yeah, he goes. it's just him on a one-shot. The whole movie just talking about... Almost every movie he's done, no uh, side interviews, nobody else jumping in. It's all De Palma's opinions on all of his films. And I'm not a huge De Palma guy, but uh, I do have a great respect for him now based upon watching the doc, which is on Showtime. It's called De Palma. You can watch that. And that's why I watched The Untouchables because he was talking about, I didn't know that uh, Ennio Morricone did the sound, the score for that. I know the score, but I didn't know that he had done the score. So that was news to me. You know, I don't know everything and I learned something. It's fun. Fun to learn. It is. Uh, like Aaron Worley says, uh, it was me. He said some hippie shit. It was feast funny. How dare you call out dumb feast things? Disappointed in your feast. Or- <laughs> what? The hell is that oh, is this a, about? Is this a Petruli? Uh, is this a delay? Just <laughs> oh, Petruli? Yeah, Aaron likes to start at the beginning and catch up, I think. So the comments come in. Oh. Yeah, sorry, Aaron. Nothing personal. I still love you. You're still a funny guy. I'm sure you made someone laugh genuinely at the feast. <laughs> <laughs> He didn't uh, like our making fun of the patchouli joke. Wow. Yeah, he's taking offense, and that's fair enough. You know, I'm, I'm I couldn't remember patchouli. who said it. Uh, I watched 13 Days. Remember this movie about the Cuban <laughs> Missile Crisis with yeah. Kevin, yeah. Bruce yeah. Davidson, yeah. Bruce Davidson yeah. playing JFK, and uh, the other guy who looks yeah. like RFK, and then Kevin Costner. Though it's all about Kevin Costner playing Kenny O'Donnell, the special assistant to the mm-hmm. president. I thought it was Bruce Greenwood. Is it Bruce Davidson? Bruce oh, Greenwood. Did I say Davidson? Yeah, Bruce Sorry. Greenwood. Yes. Okay. yes, it is definitely Bruce. Greenwood. I mean, he's, he's played the president so many times, so that's one of the ones that you're like, you know, I've never <laughs> seen it, but I'm just like, oh yeah, Bruce Greenwood. <laughs> but he, Go he, really, yeah, right. he definitely looked like JFK though, so yeah. it's a perfect role for him. Uh, they made him look like JFK. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a yeah. solid film too. It goes through a lot of the stuff, and it's not too cheesy. I think it's a it's a good film to throw on for the class, I think, for if you're going to talk Cuban Missile Crisis. Does it, it, I mean, does it talk about the Jupiter missiles? It absolutely Turkey? does. All right. Well, it's just, a huge... I wouldn't be surprised if a, if a movie didn't. You know what I mean? Yeah, oh, no. Yeah, you're right. No, that's why I want to give this movie credit, because it, it really goes through all the scenarios and the possibilities of each day and the things that happen. And they, it does dramatize like the... Uh, hell, I didn't live through it. It might have been terrifying day to day, but it yeah. dramatizes like some of the we're on the brink stuff. But everything they talk right. about is quite historically accurate based on what I know. So yeah, I should check it out. Cool. Yeah, I give it a shot. Uh, it's procedural. Eric wouldn't like it. Very procedural, but yeah. still, it's a huge cast of people playing all these different. You know, all the people are covered from McNamara and all the other bozos. They're all yeah. involved. Uh, I watched this movie that I hadn't seen since the 90s. Higher Learning, John Singleton's <laughs> Higher Learning, which unfortunately oh has God. been, it was so, uh, <laughs> it was oh taken advantage God. of by Don't Be a Menace. Don't Be a Menace to South Central ruined so many legitimate movies <laughs> because learning. they they satirized so many <laughs> movies. And they did it. It was Higher Most learning. of it was funny, but. It's funny. Dumbest Michael sex scene Rapper ever with Tyler yeah, that's a pretty... Tyra Banks' is acting is unfortunate, and uh, that sex scene is stupid. Rappaport but is pretty good in that, yeah. He is. He really... Yeah, I mean, that was my... I Man, I, I remember seeing it, but I couldn't find this movie in a lot of places for a while, so I was glad to watch it again. Ice Cube is outstanding as a kind of, you know, deep thought, somewhat militant. 
yeah. young students and yeah. Even Omar Epps is serviceable, even though he just played like the same role in a sense two years prior in a movie called The Program, where he's a young athlete in college. So it's very repetitive uh, for him, unfortunately. John Singleton, baby. And R-I-P. yeah, and uh, a young uh, Regina King is in that one as well. She plays a nice little right. role along with uh, Jennifer Connelly's in Higher Learning too. Which I was like, oh, oh right. shit, Jennifer Connelly's in this with Christy Swanson and Regina uh, King are roommates. Yes. Wait, what? Yeah. Yes, all these people are in this movie. It's a, uh, it's pretty good, I think. It's, it's almost a bit prescient, I guess. Now, upon further review, it's probably better now than it was then. Frankly, hmm. it might have been a little bit ludicrous back then. Uh, Travis, I think you love this movie, and I finally got to watch a uh, Cadillac Man. You like this movie, right? <laughs> no, did I make this up? Yeah, that ain't me. God damn it! I don't know where I, like I get this man. shit from. Cadillac Man. I don't know, man. I, yeah, I've well, seen I've it once, Cadillac but man. it's a, fa- it's a fuzzy memory. Damn it. Well, I don't know where I came up with that trash. Either way, Cadillac Man, 1990 movie with Robin Williams, plays a car salesman, Tim Robbins, and a bunch of hilarity ensues. It's a Roger Donaldson movie, which, totally random again, uh, this happens to me every so often, 13 Days, also directed by Roger Donaldson. (laughs) Didn't mean to do it. These are totally, with actors, I line them up, and I try to do it on purpose. But with directors, I sometimes just run into back-to-back movies. It's funny. Never forget the... uh, uh, which one was it, Eric? Do you remember that? I watched like three movies by that one guy? Damn it, I can't remember <laughs> I who that guy. I don't remember, uh, man. Yeah, I don't remember either. Uh, and then uh, I watched Out of the Furnace. I never caught the Christian Bale, Casey oh, okay. Affleck movie All with right. Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Woody Harrelson's fucking great in this movie. Uh, awesome in so it. So awesome in it. He's so yeah. good in it. Yeah, like, serious, like one of his best roles. Did I was you, really impressed. So did you like it? I did. I very much did. I, I think it's a really underappreciated movie. I saw I mean I've only seen it once, but I saw it in theaters and I was like, Oh, that's a fucking good one. And everyone I talked to was like, Nope. And I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean it's it really good. It's not very flashy, I guess, but it's well done. There's difficult challenges that are legitimate and this I thought as some I definitely thought you would like it because you know, you lived in that world a little bit over there. Sure. It's based in Appalachia and these people who are struggling and they're Decide, should I do this work? Should I try to do my own world? And these bubbles that exist out there in West Virginia, they really do Western exist. PA, yeah. And West, yeah, and Western PA as well. And I'm glad I watched it. I know some reason I wasn't that excited about it for a long time, but it was overdue. And if you haven't seen Out of the Furnace 2013, go back and please check that out. Uh, then I watched Blue Jasmine, which is a great performance, Superb. which is basically a retelling of the Madoff family story, although it's not technically called Madoff. But huh. it's, it yeah, is, so. it is. Right. Kate Blanchett is, she's definitely playing Ruth Madoff uh, or a version of her because Alec Baldwin plays this guy who scums over her sister and her sister gets divorced from her husband because they gave their nest egg to them and Baldwin screwed him. So, uh, but the, the performance is the story of this movie. Kate Blanchett deserved the Academy Award. It really is offer rocker. Uh, you know, paranoia, terror, anxiety, PTSD, all of it's there. And even though she had the life of luxury, there's things she knew and she knew it and it's tough for her to deal with. And even though she didn't know everything, it's a really fascinating character study. Damn it. And I'll close it out with a movie I never saw and I think is made fun of a lot in uh, uh, Wet Hot American Summer, uh, China Syndrome. I never saw oh the China God. Syndrome. And... How was it? Good. It's outstanding. What a great movie. Uh, Probably even more poignant for its time with nuclear power becoming the mainstream around 1980. 
Michael Douglas kind of goes all in. He, you know, he produces Cuckoo's Nest. Great job. And he mm-hmm. produces this movie. And apparently uh, someone else was supposed to play the role that he played, but they had to f- step away. So he came in to play this cameraman alongside Jane Fonda. And Jack Lemmon in a very different role, like a different movie for him as well. Really good. And Wilford Brimley's amazing in this movie. The whole cast. Oh, Brimdog. Really, yeah, he's like, it's night. This movie's made in 1979, right? Yeah. And I swear he's got to be in real life like 34, 30. Yeah, yeah. He looked old. But he he's looks like, fit. He's like Jeremy Piven. Jeremy Piven was it, like 28 or 27 <laughs> when he did Judgment Night. He looks like he's 45. <laughs> oh my god i can't wait to talk about pivot in this movie but yeah that's a oh china syndrome really holds up i strongly recommend it there's no score the whole movie has no that's score awesome. a real sense of realism in this movie that they did intentionally and what's crazy this movie comes out and then 13 days later the three mile island accident yeah, happened yeah, which is right. that's just wow. fucking bonkers so yeah i didn't wow. even see this I, I can't believe i've ever seen it holy shit yeah, I, I never thought they made it, that but... in response to that incident. <laughs> no, it no. truly came out Holy 13 shit. days prior. So yeah. not 13 days the movie, but is 13 it, actual uh, days. Is it based on a is it based on a Crichton book or is it based on a I book? Think that's not, I, uh, no, I think that's no, it was Andromeda Strain. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. It was based on a different uh, place in the. They looked. Wow. It's, I mean, it's real, the setting is an actual like block for block setup of a nuclear power plant. It's. It's a real hyper-realism going on here. It's, fa- it's fascinating. So I would strongly recommend it. It's on Showtime anytime if you have access. All right, that's it. Those are the movies I watched. A good times, noodle salad. And we're moving on from quarantine viewing picks, which means it's time to get into, you know, the... Bang your head to this. Bang your head to this. You know, they, uh, yeah, it's time to do Judgment Night, 1993 film, starring Emilio Estevez, Cuba Gooding Jr., Dennis Leary, Jeremy Piven, of course, and... The Dwarfman, Stephen Dorf. Don't forget yeah. Redfoot, of course. Redfoot is in this. Yeah, Peter Green, yeah. And yeah. Everlast. Don't forget fucking Everlast. Everlast. Popping in. Yeah, know what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> this is pre-Everlast, uh, heart attack Everlast. This is House of Pain Everlast. Yes, that's great. Yeah. You're pretty good. What's your name? Ray. Ray. Right. Yeah. You're a good negotiator. Because you didn't even lowball me. I'm going to come in here and lowball you. Forget about that. Well, you know, because the thing is, I got to trust you. There's the payment of the money, and then, then there's your friends keeping their mouths shut, you know. No, hold on. We're businessmen, both of us. We have an understanding. Well, let me tell you something, uh, Ray. You don't understand shit, okay? Nothing. Guys like you got to keep checking your pants to see if you got a dick. I got one. You and your friends are the kind of spoon-fed fucking fruit bait that I fucking hate! I don't think he understood me. Shut the fuck up! You speak when fucking spoken to, okay? This is not fucking high school, motherfucker. I'll eat your fucking friends for fucking lunch. You know who we are? No, you have no fucking idea, do you? No, tricks like you, you just sail through life reading about people like me in the newspaper. Hey! You're in a different place now, motherfucker. Yeah, hundred thousand dollars might buy you out of North Shore down here, pussy. That means shit. This is my fucking world. <laughs> All right, uh, got plenty of thoughts on this movie, but you know, Travis, you did allude to it. I feel like. We should try to hit it off the top here. The soundtrack itself, we can't do a whole show on it, but I think we should talk about it for a few minutes before we even get to Ooh. the film. I, I I agree. It's it's very it stands alone. Um, it stands like it stands apart from the film in a lot of ways, and I think partly because not just the inventiveness of of the pairing of like these hip hop acts with like different like alternative acts from the era, some of whom were like 
my favorite bands in 93 like fucking <laughs> therapy and therapy. junior on here <laughs> yeah. and faith no more and shit um helmet um so like it, it's, it's really inventive and and also it's fucking really underutilized in the film like we get uh we get <laughs> we get fallen a couple times which is a great song but like we get fallen we get the mud honey song which is one of the worst songs on the soundtrack <laughs> yes and yes. You, you hear like a flash i think of like one or two other songs and like the rest of it like you just there's just not even fucking there like you don't even it opens it. and closes with the teenage fan club de la soul song yeah. it gets yeah. way too much airtime. i mean it's a decent song but it's a real good song it takes me it takes me back in a big way to living with you the summer of 2003 in a, a lovely home we made together called the dump with like 20 years. <laughs> um, but, but I was, I was obsessed with that song at that time. So it really, it really brings me back. But yeah, this is a fucking great soundtrack, man. I mean, there's some, there's some low moments too. I mean, like honestly, like the faith of more song with, um, with Booyah tribe is like, it's pretty good, but like Michael Patton. So just fucking phone it in like, Oh, oh Oh, like just doing like basically like, like regular pat and shit. Like he probably just came in on like for an hour. I mean, uh, <laughs> Slayer and Ice T in 1993. That was this was after like, Body Count. Does that happen? Yeah, it was. Yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a it's an interesting. Yeah, it's, it's a fascinating. Obviously, beyond the pairings of it, it was a big deal back then. But I, I frankly look at it now and. um None of the songs blow me away, although that just just be a change in my own like view and perspective on life. I still think it's really cool, and I'm really glad it exists, and I'll always have respect for the soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, but what I'm really bothered by the fact that it's so not utilized properly in the, in the score of the film <laughs> at all. It's uh, uh, you listen. I mean, to the, it, you watch singles, and like almost every song is highlighted from the soundtrack. You know, like, like, like even if it was, yeah, even if it was created way after the fact. Like, say the soundtrack. Like, you know what? We just came up with this idea. The movie's done. It's ready to go. But we just came up with this idea. But this was clearly. Then you would way put before. them back in. This is clear. I'm just saying. Right. Either no, way. Right. Yeah, but like fucking Ice T is singing about 1992, and the movie came out in '93. Like this shit was pieced together well in advance. I don't understand. Well, then that makes it even more ridiculous that the fact that they made the effort to do this, uh, was there a total disconnect between like the musical side and you know, the uh, production side of this I movie? I would definitely like to hear the conversation. Like, what? Like, why? Like, why these? Like, how did this come about? Like, I dig that the movie itself is about one type of people coming together. Am I back? Am I back? Yes, you're, 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 the, you're, the, yes. Movie, the movie is about one type of people coming and meeting up with another type of people, and that's, that's actually what it does. And that's what these two, like the, yeah. the bands in this the soundtrack, do. So that's kind of interesting, but it feels a little gimmicky. And you're right, the songs aren't out of sight. It's just really cool to see them names. I am blown away that Pearl Jam is even on this thing. Like Pearl Jam was fucking on this. I <laughs> yeah, I forgot about all. that. I mean, like, and it's it's a pretty lackluster song, and I'm still amazed that anyone ever listened to Cypress Hill. I mean, how many songs about weed can you listen to? But <laughs> oh, I love Cypress Hill. There's a lot of non-weed Cypress Hill songs here. How I could just kill a man? That's not about oh, weed. It's too bad. It's about murder. That's true. You're right. It's, it's too bad that the Tool and Rage Against the Machine song didn't make it on here. But what I don't understand is like why the heavy lenience. Or I'm sorry, the heavy leaning on the fucking Alvin's uh, Alan Silvestri score. I'm watching the movie and like listening to the cool. score, and I'm like, is that is that Back to the Future? No, that's, right. that's Predator Two. Nope, Predator that's two. just Alan Silvestri. me. Yeah, that's just Alan Silvestri doing late '80s, early '90s Alan Silvestri. It all sounds the exact fucking same. I'm like, you got this great soundtrack, and you're using this recycled Silvestri. I mean, I like Silvestri. The Crude soundtrack score is one of my favorite scores. Like, I think he does some. Scores good. 
yeah, he does some good work, but I mean, like, there's a time period where he was like, just like, okay, I'll just do what work. People like the brothers keep on doing that. Terrence Blanchard nightmare. Yeah, yeah but he, you got Blanchard, bro. Did you listen to his rejected <laughs> score? There was like yourself. more like electronic score that's on it's on YouTube. It got rejected. Like he was playing with elect, like an electronic score huh. completely unlike his repertoire, but Hopkins shut it down. Wow. He shut so you just down, Jan. Just give me Predator 2 over again. <laughs> give it to me. I mean, it literally sounds almost exactly like Predator 2 yeah. over again. Like there's some big similarities. I'm expecting Gary Busey to pop out. Too late to go home now. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. Oh so the soundtrack itself is fascinating. If you've never heard it, if you're a bit younger and you've never even heard of it, go check it out and see what you think. It may sound like a relic from a bygone era, or <laughs> it may sound like, uh, you know, your childhood in the early 2000s. Who's to say? Uh, you know, new metal. You know, some people say this. Some people say this spawned the new metal world that we live in today. It's a controversial take, but. Uh, I, don't know. I, I think that was already coming with stuff like Rage Against the Machine, and I mean, yeah, but the success of Rage Against the Machine was a similar time frame too. Yeah. This didn't help. So, the Stop bad it. new metal. Uh, I actually feel like this kind of flopped. I mean, like, like to be honest, I mean, I don't remember. Like, I remember that being like, ooh, like an interesting novelty, but I don't remember like going everywhere and hearing another body murdered on the fucking radio. <laughs> uh, well, Rolling Stone said at the time that Judgment Night's bracing rap rock is like the wedding of hillbilly and race music quotes uh that started the whole thing in the first place Ray, Ray music is what they used to call like r&b like in the early oh i didn't know that okay i learned something today uh it's an aspiring rebirth how about that so people were excited rolling stone was excited anyways i don't know if that means anything but it's happening this is about the movie so let's get oh wait oh here we go real quick aaron says i took jack and amber to see poltergeist remake of the theater it sucks and fuck you for liking any part of it there you go thank you aaron Yes, unfortunately, Eric knows what he did wrong, and he'll correct himself <laughs> going forward. Let us talk about the film itself. Uh, boy, uh, Eric, you chose this film. Do you remember the first time you saw this movie? I kind of half remember seeing it in the middle of the night in 1994 on home video. But, okay, here's what happened. I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. It's Dude. a Cinema 9 first for me. Oh, you're going to be uh, honest for the first time? Yeah. <laughs> after a, after a, a 83 episodes of <laughs> complete lies. I'm in um, So I'm up north a couple of weeks ago, okay? Enjoying okay. some time with my family in Michigan's beautiful Upper Peninsula. And there's this box of VHSs. You know, I watch Kiss the Girls. I watch Temple of Doom. And then I come upon Judgment Night on VHS. And I pull it out. I'm like, holy shit. I remember hearing about this. I had never really seen it. No. So I put it into like a 13 inch like VCR TV combo upstairs. I watch it. I'm thinking to myself, holy shit. While I'm watching, I'm like, I'm really enjoying this. I'm going to stop this right now and uh, bring this onto the show because I know this could be fun to talk about and I'm really digging it and you don't hear anything about it anymore. So, yeah, I got to say, this is uh, I did watch it a couple weeks ago. You watched okay. part of it, or you watched all of it a couple weeks ago? All of it. I mean, I okay. watched it a couple times, but uh, yeah, it was okay. kind of a first. Wow. That's okay, Eric. There's no rules here. Uh, yeah, Travis, <laughs> what about you? Remember seeing this movie for the first time? Yeah, man. I mean, I remember, you know, because like the, the soundtrack came out, and there was all kinds of buzz around that. Obviously, like I said, like a lot of these bands were bands that we were listening to, so I was, I it worked. It did what they wanted me. It, I did what they wanted me to do. I went and saw the movie. Um, <laughs> I actually don't know that I saw it in theaters. I think that um, my dad had like pirated um, 
pay-per-view like we just had like pay-per-view for free for some reason someone had rigged it so like whatever was on pay-per-view we saw for free uh and i'm pretty sure that that's when i saw it when it came out on that so i was like hanging out on huh. my dad's bed watching judgment night for the first time and then, and then of course <laughs> like 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 you've talked about doing when you had hbo was like censor like it was on my my cable and it's like well it's on so i'm gonna watch it over and over and over again for the two months or whatever that's on <laughs> and that's what i did yeah, it's like uh, today, if you rented something on Amazon, you watch it every day of the 30-day rental period. That's <laughs> yeah. uh, kind of what it was like. By the way, that really reminds me of the Spice Channel beat-offs. Where oh, you're, you're not time. You're not getting the full picture, but you're getting these. <laughs> such a weird. This happened. I lived it. It really happened. The screen is, you don't have the channel. You get the audio, like, though. The audio. You got there. the audio. And you have like these moments where the picture comes into focus, but it's all, it's not snow. It's not blurred out. It's like this it's like a, weird. It's like a green tea yeah. for half a second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that was enough for some people. Well, teenagers are pathetic, and yeah. I was one of them, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I definitely saw this movie in the 90s. I remember Matt Simiak uh, loved this movie. And he lived right next door to me, and we were uh, talking to him a lot about this movie and the soundtrack at the time. You know, the first time I heard Nine Inch Nails was at Matt's house. I remember going over there to hear Wish. Imagine a bunch of twelve-year-olds listening I, to Wish. I can't recall. Actually, I wasn't <laughs> there for dumb. that, but I was doing the same thing down the street. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we're, we're all doing the same thing there. And uh, I, I didn't remember it being. I remember just thinking about the soundtrack way more yeah. than the movie itself. Yeah. That's right. just always stood out. And whether that's fair or not, that's just what it was. Uh, critical reception. I did not look up the score in IMDb. Did you guys? Yeah, I caught it. I, caught I did it. not. I'm gonna guess. Not that high, but some nostalgia factor going on. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess five point nine. Okay, I'm gonna say that. Yeah, the people don't love this movie, but it's not god awful. I'll say it's a six three. It's six six, and it's got a huge cult following. Oh, huh. all right, six six. Okay, well that's yeah. that's decent. That's, Definitely yeah, that's decent. Not too far off from yeah. where we were. I mean, I, I no, saw a little I, low there. But I guess, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, okay. I wouldn't but, I wouldn't have guessed the eights. <laughs> no. <laughs> so there was a movie in 2017 that's called Judgment Night. Was that a remake? Does anyone know? No, I checked. It's a it's a Korean film that has or I think <laughs> Korean film that has nothing. to okay. do with um, Yeah. Well, I got a uh, bad news. We go to Rotten Tomatoes. The thermometer, 35 percent. One of the lower rated movies I think we've done. Uh, we haven't done Freddy Got Fingered yet, so this will have to stand for now. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, yet, yet, yes. yes. Yeah, the audience score fifty four percent. So the yeah, she went to Japan for the audience loves this enough to give it a fifty four percent. But that's still a spilt bucket of popcorn for those of you uh, who are not familiar with the rating system over at Rotten Tomatoes. As far as the critical reviews, there's only twenty reviews, which is a very very small amount. Uh, it's only one page, guys. A mm. single page. This is now the most. Or most uh, least, least reviewed? The, mo the most <laughs> least reviewed. <laughs> yeah, most <laughs> least reviewed. Which means uh, we're not getting any Dessin. Oh, we got Dessin! Unbelievable! Yes, sir! Yay! <laughs> oh, oh one page. What are the Fifth chances? Grade. Wow. Wow, that's, awesome. that's great news. Here we go. Let's see what he has to say. Dessin says, <laughs> splat. Perhaps the ultimate <laughs> oh, perhaps on. the ultimate judgment comes from Estevez, who observes nothing about tonight makes sense. <laughs> Come on, Destin Thompson. There it is. I don't know uh, how I feel about that. Why not? What do you mean? <laughs> he thought it was apropos that that's the quote of the movie that makes the most sense to him about this that's movie. Because nothing, yeah, nothing does make sense. Uh, 
Let's see. Variety staff. The staff at Variety said, this is an exceedingly well-directed, cleverly filmed and edited tension-filled affair. It is also a wholly preposterous, muddled, paranoid view of the inner city nightmare. Oh, here we go. The slightest here misstep is sure to have a fateful result. <laughs> that is spot on. I th that last part of it, anyways, was spot on. Because one of the biggest problems I have with this movie is just this they disappear into this alternate reality within a city that doesn't exist. Well, so I have mixed feelings about it because on one hand, I 100% hear where you're coming from. It's like, hey, like the suburbs are all in slow motion. We get Dell the funky homo sapien and it, look, it looks like fucking, <laughs> you know, a fucking big or something, you know, like the neighborhood from big and everything's like yeah. so great. And then they get to like the city and it's just like urban decay is hell. But like, you know, the freeways, uh, they were built in a lot of ways around like what had traditionally been divisions between neighborhoods of race. And like so, and it, so for it to for the, to suddenly cross over and they're into like this other territory that they've never outside of Chicago they've never seen does kind of make sense to me. Um, they're they're so suburban and all that, and you get this meeting of suburban world with the urban world, and, and so I do think it kind I don't of have a sense. beef with that. But I don't like, have a beef with that. Okay, then what what are you what are you saying that maybe I misunderstood? It's the beef that it becomes like this apocalyptic world entirely. I'm down with okay. the worlds colliding and all that. Yeah. Yes, you you can go into the wrong neighborhood. It's literally happened to me. I get it. It does happen. But the fact that like there's nobody around ever again, and yeah. it's like uh, the bomb was dropped there, is just ridiculous. That's the part that bothers me. So they cut a lot of corners in this production. The 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 budget was super short, and Hopkins said. Like I sent all the dailies back to the studio and they thought it was just a bunch of matte paintings. They were like, oh, like, what was the set dressing budget on this? He's like, we went there and shot in, in these neighborhoods and there was just nobody there. Like it, it looks like this. And this is like this is southwest Chicago on the south, not exactly the south side, but this is by Cabrini Green and all of these neighborhoods that have these projects in them. And there's a reason why people aren't outside like it's fucking like Miracle on 31st Street because it's a fucking dangerous neighborhood. You're going to yeah. stay inside with your doors locked like the people do in the film. I mean, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of surprised, Mike. I mean, we, we've spent a fair amount of time in like or at least driving through some of the shittier parts of Flynn to Detroit. And, and you know, I mean, like they don't look that different from from that. It's not the Especially look. It's just, in the 90s. It's just. It doesn't matter what time of night. It's not just going to be totally barren. That's the thing. And you're right. When they go to that actual building, there are people living in it. So that part, I have no problem with. Yes. But the beginning part with like, they just suddenly get stuck in this world where nothing exists. It, it just seems a little, it's over the top for me. It's too ridiculous. That's what bothers me. Well, yeah, but, I'm not going to argue yeah. that. When I first watched it, I am going to admit that I was like, I am a little turned off by this concept of, Let's turn a poverty-stricken city like into literally hell, mm -hmm. like a place you would never want to be in, let alone try to improve. But mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. from what I understand, that's just like that's that's what it was. And I've driven hey. through that area even in 2020, and there's just nothing going on. You want to get the fuck out of there. Hey, did you know that Frank has a family? Yes, on Deadwood Ave. No shit. <laughs> I mean, how many times do they say that in this movie? Frank, I've got a family. He, I've got a kid. And then even Dennis Leary says it like 10 times with this repeated <laughs> expositional monologue that happens more than once. But, hey, Frank, yeah, you got a family yeah, over Frank, there. Yeah, Frank. I'm going to fuck your wife. Yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> what is I mean, this weird, know. like, 
what is this weird like uh, a side where like Frank used to be like this big badass? Like what are they? What are they going yeah, for that's here? the other thing that bothered me. This, I mean, I know he's not a physically imposing human being, and yes, he played a wrestler in the Breakfast Club, but. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I guess I know people. There are people who are not physically imposing that are like very aggressive and violent. Like they do have it within them, so it's not ridiculous. But yeah, I got that kind of bothered me a little bit. Like, hey, what's your deal, Frank? What happened to the passion? What happened to the aggressiveness? What happened to that aggro guy we all love? <laughs> but it's not as annoying as Jeremy Piven's performance in this movie. And I didn't are. know it was going to bother me. I didn't know this is a thing. But I actually used to like Jeremy Piven a lot. But I watched him in this movie. I couldn't. Stand it. He was so well, over the top. It's partly the character and the character stuff. <laughs> it stuck. is. You're supposed to hate the character so you're not too upset when he gets killed, I guess. Um, a lot of very bad, very bad things, repetitive, very bad things feelings for yeah, both performances. Yeah, he he gets pretty typecast around this era. Um, and you know, I didn't know about the Baker's dozen or so of pretty credible allegations of sexual misconduct against him, but I already strongly disliked him because he's a traitor to his and my kind, which is bald people. Uh, this fucking, <laughs> this sham of a life that he lives with his implants. Fuck you and everything you wrote in on because we all saw your fucking movies. We know you're balder than Jason Alexander before he fucking became a betrayer. So... <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, he's really hanging out in this movie too. Yeah, isn't he? <laughs> and again, yeah, I mean, it does make him look about fifteen years older than he was. So. I know. Yeah, yes, I his character's supposed kidding. to be annoying, but uh, I don't hate him. I, I like all four of these guys pretty much. What I love, I, I know that I don't. Despise. What do you mean? What do you mean? Crunch. <laughs> I loathe. Could I eat it on each crunch? You hey, that meatloaf or what? Crispy as fuck, man. We got crisp rice in here. All right, I'll, I I'll loathe the Ray character. If that's what they wanted me to do, we all loathe the Ray character. But the late the Ray character also has a point. I will give him credit. Okay. What is because point? The, that it's so, a really expensive night for him. <laughs> yes, definitely true. It is an expensive <laughs> night for him. Pretty Ray, the razor, the smooth talker, but. One thing I like about this movie is people's views of events that happen, like traumatic events or uh, crazy events, anxiety-ridden events that happen. They see a guy get shot, and their they see a guy get hit, possibly. The response is from several different points. Ray mm -hmm. is the driver, and if he did hit someone, he was drinking. He knows he's in deep shit, so he's freaking out. But even after the fact, when they want to help this guy that they hardly know after he gets pulled out of the RV and Leary and the crew takes him, yeah. He's like, fucking good. Yeah. I, 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 we, why do we care about this guy? The fact that Dorf is like so like passionately He's concerned about this guy they just met. It seemed totally ridiculous to me. Yeah. Well, I agree. I, I, I think that my biggest complaint about the movie and I have mixed feelings about it because I kind of like it in some ways, too. Yes. Is the inconsistencies of the characters. In, in some ways, like I like the fact that like so the, the movie starts and you see Dorf's character uh, Johnny be really aggressive with the with the guy in the car next to him, and Cuba's character Mike comes out and diffuses the situation. And by the end of the film, like Johnny's kind of like balked and like you know is too scared to function. One eighty part, yeah. And and Mike has gone like you know he's he starts off the brave one and then becomes like the little like the reckless one. Um, but then it gets to the point where he's like shooting after a bus. I'm like, dude, you were just a, a few moments ago. You were like 
literally leaving these people's house because you didn't want to put this family at risk. Now you're shooting at the back of a bus where who knows how many children are sitting right now. Like, what are you, what are you doing? This is inconsistent. Script is wildly wow. inconsistent. It's all over the place. And, and then, and, so the, and I thought that Ray was the most inconsistent because he's going through the movie, like uh, terrified, um, willing to like hide the gun and even pull it on his friends in, a, in, a, in to, to, to not have to confront these guys, anything to not confront these guys. And then he's like, Ooh, heights. I don't know. Uh, I'll just turn around and confront these guys and have a quick talk with them. I was like, what? This is completely yeah. well, inconsistent his... with what you've been doing up until the, through the whole movie until this moment. Yeah, he's like, he's not afraid of life, right? It doesn't seem like a guy's afraid of life at all. He's trying to take advantage of every possibility. No, I mean, the, all the reasons why you guys have these issues with these characters is why I kind of like the characters. The naivete of the Steven Dorf character, I've seen that. I've seen people who were in the like the worst possible situation and they're trying to help somebody you probably just want to stay away from. And I've seen the guy who just thinks people that are fucking dangerous and, and might hurt you like, oh, oh, no, we got to show like we got to do something. You probably just want to stay away in this situation like like the Ray character and Ray's ammunition is what he perceives to be his negotiation tactics. It, they turn on him. But that just makes for interesting character work, in my opinion. But I'm, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm, I don't have a problem with him using the negotiation tactics. I'm saying that like he's willing to do anything and everything to not confront them and negotiate up until that moment. Like mm. he literally holds a gun on his oldest and best friends. Like mm. he literally, right, right in the scene right before that. Literally, the scene right before that. He is mm. screaming yeah. and crying and willing to like put all these lives at risk so he doesn't have to do that. And then he just fucking like I'm a I'm a I'm a smooth talker I can handle this. Like, what? Yeah, the, I'm this is what... I get plugs. <laughs> <laughs> what is the difference between Dorf's character ragingly jumping out of an RV to fight a guy in a truck who he doesn't know at all? He's not yeah. afraid of that situation, yeah. but now suddenly he's afraid of these people. Like, what's the difference? It do, it doesn't make the character motivation. People do crumble under certain types of pressures, but his original character setup was to be someone who didn't. He was looking for the fight. That's his problem. That's what they bitched about in the RV before they even left. Like, oh, man, Eddie's not coming. Like, I want to see this movie with Eddie. Whoever yeah. Eddie was, what would this movie have been I like mean, if it was Eddie instead of his brother? Like, anybody that has that that bravado, machismo, bullshit attitude at, like, a Pistons game where they're willing to fight anyone is not going to say have the same attitude we're on the south side and they're just going to keep their head down and not look anyone in the eye. It's yeah. a fear of the unknown. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I, I, I can see, I, I, I can see that. Um, how, um, I'm sorry. I, th I can hear you so much more than you realize. But anyways, I switched to milk chocolate. There's not even any rice in this. <laughs> You're eating in front of a microphone. All right, man. dude, I'll, I'll mute myself. <laughs> You're Sorry, eating in front bad. of a microphone. Meatloaf's next. Uh, You're up. Travis, Travis is hearing. I mean, Travis has had some health struggles, but his hearing is top notch. At least I know my mic is. I didn't hear anything. Well. Oh, really? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, you know, it's just, <laughs> I heard the first one. I heard the Nestle Crunch. I didn't hear the latest one. So. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt your dinner. Um, <laughs> Meatloaf. <laughs> uh i i really like for instance how like the mike character cuba's character like is like the brave one and like um uh like kind of like uh uh he's like he's the one that knows the territory in some ways like the cops aren't coming like don't think just run like this kind of stuff um because he's the only black person, I think, out of the eight of the villains and protagonists. Now, I'm bringing race into it because the movie clearly wants to bring race into it. 
but just really doesn't like nope all of our drug dealers are white my favorite part of the movie is when like they're in the building and like the the, the white drug dealers are kicking down the doors and like knocking and one of them goes hey you see a group of white guys in here <laughs> like, <laughs> you mean like you or like that other group of three white guys and one black dude like, <laughs> um, like the movie wants to deal with race but at the same time it's just like oh no we don't want to yeah. we don't actually want to deal with any of this no. shit uh, which is yep. mealy mouth, but um, but anyways, where I was going with with Cuba is that like I do like that once he kills, like there's a there's a dramatic change in him, and like he's kind of fucked up, and like you know, and, mm. and, and I think that that makes sense. It's the it's almost the steadiness of uh, Frank in some ways that unnerves me the most in the film in some ways because if everybody else is going through these complete upheavals of of behavior, then why isn't why is he so steady the whole time? But I guess that's maybe why he's the leader or whatever. Uh, I didn't know this. This is part of the IMDb trivia that uh, okay. a kid was murdered downstairs when they were filming yeah. the rooftop yeah. scene, exactly. and then they had to relocate and bring in the army, like a private security force, yeah. <laughs> after the fact. What? Yeah, yeah, I didn't uh, know that. Uh, it seems shit. to be Stephen Hopkins, the director. The director also did Predator too. He had to Love fucking it. hire the Crips to do security on on that set, so he's no stranger to the, you know, the urban. Uh, but to Travis's point. Okay, Emilio Estevez is involved in this movie, yes. clearly. And Emilio Estevez, even in Men at Work, which is a movie you love, Travis. That I not trying, you do love that movie. I got I that love, right. I love Men at Work. Overdrive. Which came out came out a couple years before this in 1990. Mm-hmm. And there is a message in that movie. And Emilio Estevez is getting more involved in the messaging of his films that he's yeah. involved in. Yeah. And I and you can tell it's at least to me, maybe I read between the lines in this movie, even though he's not the director or whatever, but he's the big star of the movie, made mm-hmm. the most money. And I got a feeling that his opinions were pushed oh, into this film, which means, like, let's treat everyone equally. He wants to tell an honest tale, too. He got better as he went along. He got, we, you know, we see the oh. public and all those yeah, movies. We, we've talked about the public. Yeah, he, he got better at it. But this is earlier and where he's maybe trying to be more honest about society in film, but it wasn't able to translate with all these white guys involved. So I do feel you're absolutely, no, I feel like Travis is absolutely right. Race, I think Emilio Estevez really wanted to talk about race in this movie, but there must have been some loggerheads thing it where was, it just didn't quite work out. It was. I'll tell you what it was exactly. He got involved with the project. He knew Kevin Jare, the original screenwriter who did Glory and Tombstone and mm-hmm. uh, a couple other big hits. They were developing this script for as a starring vehicle for Emilio Estevez, and John Carpenter was circling it for a mm, while I until, see that. until Steve Hopkins took it over and basically brought in another writer to completely overhaul the script. So mm. one of the big things for me watching the movie is, you know, what is this message? Because yeah. at the end of the day, there's a lot of agoraphobia and xenophobia along with some popcorn thrills. It is muddled. It is some muddled <laughs> ass messaging. Yeah. Like you're like there's a point in the movie where you're supposed to be like, oh thank God, it's just the homeless man that got murdered. Like that literally happened. <laughs> That's literally a moment in the movie. You're like, oh, I thought it was Cuba. <laughs> and they go, yes, hold on, what do I do? He's wearing yeah. his jacket. Yeah. Like, oh, fuck me. That is That's fine. Yeah. They're living yeah. in a train yeah. car anyways. Who gives a shit, right? Oh, and fuck. there's also that sucks, but there's also a pretty honest debate about heroism and machismo versus yeah. practicality in this yeah. film, which they is probably the message that they do fairly well and keep reasonably hmm. even keel throughout the movie. In terms of it goes back and forth, Keel Cuba Gooding's character Mike suddenly becomes this hey, I got balls, and where's your balls? When he was much more practical early in the movie yeah. and 
Yeah. He gets into it. He does say that little line later when they're in the grocery store, like, I always want to test myself. Oh, he says it in the basement of that sewer world. I want to test myself in combat. I always wondered what I had. And yeah, that was one of those scenes that didn't make sense to me because they're like, let's have a stand and let's take him on. And then they succeed in killing one. He shoots a man, an unarmed man in the chest. I'm like, fuck yeah, like that's that's rough. But what else would you do? And then, like, now that they're armed and they're like ready and like feeling that, they're like, nope, out. Like, then why didn't you just go out before then? Like, what, what, well, what or, or how about just like, I've been lost in like, in, in like places like this before including south side chicago when i went to see the ring in 2002 i had no fucking clue where i was and it was fucking dangerous it was pooped i just saw a dude with guns on like roofs um what i did was just head in one direction and never stop i definitely wasn't just ducking into random buildings like nearby <laughs> and just trying well, to like figure out what the fuck i'm gonna just you weren't being chased though um, well Fallon's always like two steps behind them the entire movie, no matter yes. where they go. Just keep going. Get the fuck out of there. Can we talk about the casting we have to. here? Yeah, we have to. Oh. It's fucking terrible. I'm sorry. I, I I like Dennis Leary. I do not buy him as a villain. He pops in and he's immediately cracking jokes. Uh, and also, like, why are you going to shoot someone? And this is more <laughs> the script than him. But Same like, here. Why are you going to shoot someone in front of four witnesses? Get the four witnesses out of there first and then shoot someone if you're going to plan and kill them oh, all. Man. And then like this relentless, like, I'm going to fucking go through, like, I'm going to go through sewers. Nothing is going to stop me. I'm going to kill my minion in the classic got to kill your own minion scene. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. and, you and, question and, the boss. And just make fucking corny jokes the whole goddamn time. Just all of it's just like the, the fucking monologue on stage somewhere. Like he's he's so wrong for the role. Oh boy, Mike, you want to grab this one? You know, I, I actually uh, I really never thought about that when I watched the movie on this viewing. <laughs> Oddly enough, uh, I guess I'm just down. I thought the whole movie was absurd anyway. So there's a whole part of me in a yeah. perspective that says, yeah. well, this is stupid anyway. So this particular casting kind of fits into the stupidity going on here. Yeah. So that's probably why I didn't think about it. I do like to watch him riff. I do like classic old school Deary just riffing jokes, uh, which is fine with me. Uh, yeah. But he Deary? also murders old a guy school. called Chris yeah, I call him D. Leary. <laughs> Deary, yeah. Hey, Chris Deary. Uh <laughs> He does kill a man it's in cold blood. Palazzo podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Check it out. But, two, yeah. two P's, two L's, two A's, two E's, two O's. <laughs> pumpkin <laughs> pumpkin Palazzo. Dennis Leary. Yeah, Bumpkin Palazzo. Uh, Mark Holton uh, interviewed him on that show. It's a good time. Pee Wee Herman. Well, Teen Wolf. He's, there's, he's entertaining for me. Uh, my issue with it is uh, there's a couple of them. There's no way this is like the biggest gangster in Southwest Chicago at the time. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know that we're supposed to think that he is. I mean, but are we? Are we supposed to think he, that he is? It makes him seem like he's a pretty it, big deal. Yeah. Like everybody it's, knows it's, who he is. It's such a contrivance to have, like, Fallon's rules. Because, they're, like you said, Travis, there's no way they're going to just track these guys. Uh, mostly because they know the guys are never going to fucking open their mouths about this to anyone ever again. Maybe Yeah, they never want to like, come back. How many times he got to say they're North Shore losers? Yeah, plus... His rule is no witnesses, and yet he goes through like the majority of the film doing the most heinous shit and murdering with a ton of witnesses ton of that he never takes care of. And he's pissed at the people that guy's he's pissed that head of the class stole money from him, and then he just gives all that money right <laughs> to 
the kids to get them to talk and tell them that they're in there. Like, oh, who cares? The the character motivations are endlessly stupid in this movie with no consistency. (laughs) My favorite is sneaking up behind the security guard and sticking him in the ribs, silently killing him, and then getting on the fucking PA system and just cracking fucking jokes. Yeah, that's right. No secret (laughs) of surprise here. We're just going to put on a big display again. It's so dumb. And by the way, the guy did dial the 911 number. I saw him hit the buttons. So they would have, the call went through, even if he didn't say anything, they know where it is. Even in 1993, the cops would have showed well, up. They do show How up about the fact that... Yeah, but they the would have cop- showed up after that call. It's like, oh that's shit, it's a 911 call. That's one of the things I like about the movie, though, is, is that the cops aren't the duess machina showing up at the end and, like, saving the day. Like, they get to save yeah. the day themselves. <laughs> yeah. I mean, granted, they don't show up when the bus explodes and, like, people are getting <laughs> shot left and right, but you throw a fucking chair through a window at some closed <laughs> hardware store in the middle of nowhere... <laughs> They're on point. Oh, maybe it was some sort of farmer's bazaar or something. I couldn't really tell Gla- what the fuck Gla- that place Gla- was. Stained glass factory? I, I, I don't really. I don't know. How about this? How about um, I'm fighting for my life? You're talking about raping and killing my wife and baby daughter. And then you're about to go down and fall. And it's all about to be over. I've been trying to kill you for a minute here. And you're about and I'm going to grab you and try to save your life. I'm like, what are you fucking doing, dude? Frank, you're going to let me <laughs> die, bro? Come on. After yeah. all those jokes on the PA? <laughs> <laughs> after all those jokes I made? They're so funny, Frank. Frank is torn between trying to be a good family man the and save compass. people's lives and, yeah, be the master center of the universe when it comes to a moral compass. You guys think this would be a cool alternate ending? I was thinking of it while watching the film. Uh, So at the end of the movie, what if like the cops go to the Frank and they're like, Frank, you're going to be all right, man. And he's like, where's Fallon? Where the fuck is Fallon? He's like, no sign of him. But, you know, here's your wallet. At least you got that. Then he checks his wallet and his license is gone. Like it's not over. Like he knows where he lives. Like the paranoia is going to go outside this inner city. That would be that would have been pretty cool. Only I don't think that this movie's that kind of movie. The kind of movie that's going to have an ambiguous, unhappy ending. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't really see that happening. But I, it would have been cooler. I think. Okay. I I do like that there wasn't one final jump scare with with Fallon. Like you, like he comes up on his body. I'm like, this is where like he comes to life and grabs him or some dumb shit. And it and that doesn't happen, <laughs> um, which is good. So the, the you know the there is some stuff in this movie that um, is like so fucking trite like oh this is the scene where they're fucking pounding on the door asking for help in the apartment building like this is that scene uh and <laughs> there's also scenes that are like okay this actually kind of surprised me a little bit took me to a place i wouldn't have expected and then of course there's play- there's scenes where i'm like oh that doesn't make a lick of sense that's a completely con that's completely contrary to what the character has been acting uh. like the rest of the film which again sometimes i'm like that's cool that they're shifting like that and other times i'm like that just seems like a bridge too far would you like uh i mean a lot of movies in, ter- in my opinion a remake should only happen if the idea of the film is good, but the movie didn't really stick with it. Like, what if they did this in 2021? Is this really a unique premise in any way? I don't know. Lost in some creepy place where a gang's trying to kill you? I'd be scared. I do like... Um, I mean, I like... The- I like a lot of I like how the movie starts in a lot of ways. Like I, I like all the way pretty much like when he like starts a fire and like the, and they have to escape through the yeah the, like take, kick the window like that whole that whole bit. Even as I'm thinking like why the fuck didn't you take them hostage before you shoot this guy? Like you're supposed yeah, to. Yeah. Why do we care about this guy? Why don't we just leave? Why do we want to watch this guy get murdered? Who cares? Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I have a lot of questions about the, some uh, character choices there. But again, like they're they're not 
equipped to deal with this. So they're making poor decisions and they're not, they're very wasteful with their bullets because they're not thinking clearly. These North Shore guys would have been bigger assholes, man. They would not have cared about humanity as much. I just not, not buying true. it. <laughs> I don't That's know. Not true. I don't know about that, but um, how about this? Generalization. I remember seeing this movie in 93 and being like a satellite dish in an RV. They could watch live TV yeah, in an RV. Man. And like, I thought I was amazed by that in 93. Oh, yeah. I was probably amazed by that in 2003. Like, whoa. Direct TV <laughs> was around. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. <laughs> they got the, the loud, they got the bullhorn and everything. And by the way, yeah, this oh, movie yeah. is made in 1993. It's not made in 2015. Okay. So these are boomer people who don't give a fuck about anyone. Let's remember that. Um, it's an important uh, distinction. I think the North Shore is probably a lot different today than it was 25, 30 years ago. But that is an important distinction. I think I you're fake. It almost seems like you're taking personal offense to this, Eric. That's an opinion. I, I, I knew a lot of people on the North Shore when I lived uh, in the north side of Chicago. In 1993? Well, I, I mean, where are you getting these, like, the, like this, these demographical responses to what people were like in 93 on the North Shore? Like, well, it's a lot of experience, of course, experiential knowledge and uh, knowing those people from that generation. These guys are in their 30s and it's 1993. I know who these guys are. They don't uh, fuck. Emilio is the oldest at, at like 28 20, or 30 or so. The youngest. OK, is 30. They're 30 years old at most. We'll give them that. So, yeah, although Frank look or Ray looks like he's 55. <laughs> yeah, so. Ray, Ray looks like he's ready for ARPA. We were all like 28 on our way to like San Andrews Hall. We got lost downtown. That did happen. We were in the same exact it situation. It literally happened. Oh, we were a lot younger. We I will could, say, we could but... all act like this and we all know who Ray would be. Come on. Let's be honest. I would run away in a heartbeat. I have no idea who you mean, but when I was <laughs> must mean me. I, do you remember that guy? <laughs> I remember uh, somebody got locked out of the car or something, and we had to call this guy. We called him Bone. Do you remember this, Travis, the truck tow truck driver? Yes. We yes. called Brandon him Bone. Got, Brandon got locked out of his car. Yeah, which is instantly racist. I'm going to call that right away because it just makes no sense or whatever. Why does his name be Bone? He never said anything about a bone at all. I have no idea. And, bone. And we, I was terrified. I remember being, we were 16. We were truly like 16, maybe 17 yeah, at the most. We were hanging out in alleys of Flint on a regular basis. Yeah, but this is in Detroit, coolest. though. This is in Detroit where I, I people were, because once a car got locked out, you're like, oh, shit, yeah. this is weird. Oh, yeah. But I also walked around the city trying to find my friend that one night, too, when we got yeah, kicked out of yeah, the Bouncing Soul Show. And I didn't think twice about that. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Who's to say what people will do? But I you, all I care about is consistency and motivation. That's what I care about. I can tell you that I, the movie made me think of life before MapQuest and the many hours I spent <laughs> just like parked yes. somewhere yeah. screaming like, when the fuck am I going to find my way home? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tired. I just want to I can see home. that. Oh, my God. People, if you don't know, Travis, this uh, seems very real right now. I would get lost <laughs> all the fucking time. <laughs> I would get lost like once a week. I get lost. There is actual. There's one cell phone in this movie that I saw, but other other than that, you're right. Yeah, there is a whole different world going on back then. Being lost really did mean something, and I think that's part of the problem with watching this movie today. It's just so foreign now. Mm, a little bit. I mean, it's very '93. I mean. It is. And that's how it was. There, yeah. You use maps or you had to, when he <laughs> says, Hey, you know what you do when you're lost? And one of the characters says, you stop and ask people. That right. is something you would do. That, yeah. and, and that's another thing. Like you brought up the, um, the overhead, the, oh, the, the, the calm, whatever the fuck am I trying to say? The, Bullhorn, PA, right? the PA system, whatever the fuck. And they like start like foolishly calling over like a bunch of dudes. <laughs> like no idea who these people are. Where and are we? And that's something else I kind of like, you know, like, like they're so naive. They're so like, oh, there's no danger here. We're in our, we're separated from this world. We're in our RV. Like we are like, you know, we can, we can, we can move around and be dumb assholes and, and like fuck with people and like whatever. But you know, then of course they get out of the RV and bring, you know, the outside world in and things go. To yeah. The there. 
Well, when they go to the building and they go in that woman's house, first off, would anybody really let these guys in at all? I know he makes a case, yeah, frankly. Again, inconsistent. She's ready to fucking take heads off of yeah. that hat. And then she brings these four strange men into her home. Four strange men with her wife. Just her and her wife and her baby daughter. Which I th- assume that was her wife, which I did like that. That was cool. I, I got the sense uh, that they were yeah. a couple. Um, yeah, she was terrified from the beginning. She was instantly on edge. I think I think they brought. I, I think they sold the point that she knew that they were trouble in like in <laughs> trouble and and needed help even they were more. In a bad situation and that they even were not a threat to her. They just needed her help. I no, but even more of a reason, they wouldn't want to get caught up in trouble. They've already it's from other, from the looks of her response initially, like Travis said. Right. Well, she, she knew trouble and she didn't she, want to be involved in any trouble. She goes out to get ice. Was it like a hotel ice machine? What the fuck was she doing? No, no, laundry, laundry or something? Or something? Yeah, I'm not really but, sure. But she's got a, she's got a baseball bat ready. Like she's ready to fucking throw down. Like she seems like a woman who's not. I mean, again, maybe that's premeditated thought on a character's part. You don't. Again, it's just these, hey, we're all trying to sell ourselves to each other in each part of these movies. Every scene, someone's trying to sell somebody on a new way forward suddenly, which makes no <laughs> sense internally to that character. You wouldn't trust Emilio Westavez's kind eyes? We're talking I about would. I would. I would, but I'm not that woman, and I'm not I'm living not in that building. In my house. You could be, uh, Travis, could be yeah, like yeah, a yeah. toddler. And I'd be like, oh, yeah. fuck all the you, know, you, sit, you sit here and be running away court. from a murderer while you're mowing the lawn and you win. And I am not like, <laughs> No. Here I am to tell the story. You survived. You lived to tell the tale. Uh, oh, all right. Shit. Anything else, guys? Here we well, nah. It's getting to be that time. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, let me think. Uh, I mean, I'd like to say some more positive things about it. I mean, I. I we said some positive things. Yeah. Yeah. Everlast. Good performance from Everlast. <laughs> uh, when he gets shot uh, there at the end, when he shoots Mike and then Mike shoots back and he suddenly can't get the gun up, he just shoots down on the ground and falls forward. That's too bad. I feel that was really well done, though, on his part. Full credit to Everlast on that one. How about the ADR, like at the very end, when they're like, where someone clearly was like, ooh, him just being handed his wallet wasn't enough. Your wife's outside, Mr. Wyatt. <laughs> then the movie ends. Like, clearly, oh, like, such a producer's note. <laughs> yeah. Was, yeah. There was something else. Of, yeah. Oh, man. I can't remember what it was. It, it was when Piven's coming down the no, pipe. No, I remember. And he's, I remember. He's, his mouth isn't even moving, but he's, like, making jokes about, like, oh, you're here for the yes! show. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, when the pipe breaks off. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. They're not talking right now. Yeah, that is clearly not, being dubbed. not talking to one another. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, you know, it's a... Yeah, I, I'm not going to say anything positive. I've tried to find a few. I like I like the soundtrack, although it's not in the movie. The soundtrack's solid. It's okay. So that's it. That's all I got. Uh, all right. You want to go first? Uh, me? Yeah, you, you're kind of already getting into how, you're, how you feel about it. I guess this just isn't my kind of movie. Uh, I'm not down with, like, the chasing movie so much. I just don't. Unless, I don't know, unless it was, like, blown away in a way. I think about a movie like... Uh, like get out is like, yeah. There ends up being a slight chase at the end, but there's a lot, much, much more going on in that type of movie. There's like a whole different vibe, and it's a thriller, and you don't know what's happening. This is a thriller, I think, like a chasing thriller. Like you know the snakes, though. Yeah. So it's not really that complex. There's no, even if they try to create ulterior motives or hidden agendas for the characters, they don't show up in any type of consistent way, and that's a huge problem for me. It always will be in movies when characters are not who they're supposed to be. There has to be a base genesis. Characters can change. 
that's part of a movie. We, want, yeah. we yeah, we want to go through a change, and sometimes it's really empowering. You're like, oh my god, this is amazing. I'm looking at this person grow before my eyes. I've seen it done. I've gotten emotional plenty of times. We've shared plenty of photos in our text thread about it. But this movie, <laughs> there's no, uh, it's just no, there's nothing here that I'm really digging. I think it's poorly done. It doesn't make sense. And in the end, this movie is just, it doesn't hold up for me. It's not a good movie. It never was a good movie. If I thought it was, then I was just immature and stupid. And now I know the Ouch. truth. And I think you could watch this. I think if you never saw this movie once, you'd be just fine. You would. Nothing personal, Eric. I love you. I completely disagree with all of your points, man. Like, we got a classic 90s cat and mouse fun popcorn thriller here. And there's some commentary. I mean, there's not a lot. And that's kind of why I dig it. Like, it'd be easy to have, like, one of the characters, like, meet someone, like, in that place in the projects and be like, hey, like, like, hey, call me. Like, I can get you out of here. Like, I can save you from that. No. It's just kind of a straightforward story where these guys got to get out of this situation. They dabble with, like, this middle-class anxiety and this, like, post peck and paw machismo in a way that I can dig. It's like deliverance in the city. I uh, love the way it's shot. You say it's not interesting to look at like, dude, like these dirty yellows. It's basically like Caravaggio on, on film with like its use of shadow and light. I think uh, the DP Peter Levy told uh, was told to like, look at touch of evil, which is like very stark. And I, I, I love the look of this film, man. I actually think it's a little bit ahead of its time if you'll allow that uh, i think if it came out a few years later and got another polish on a screenplay this could be really something to talk about but i think it's a really fun movie to watch great great thriller i enjoyed it i i, I enjoyed the hell out of it holds let's up. give them yeah, something yeah, to talk about <laughs> I, I agree uh what's the cinematographer's name peter levy yeah I, I agree. I think he did a really fine job here. I think that the the lighting on the film is really nice. I think it, I think there are a lot of scenes that look well are well shot and look good, both yeah. interior and exterior. Um, so I, I and I think that uh, Stephen Hopkins is a is a capable director. Um, I, I again lament the underutilized score, and I take issue with a movie that want that wants to on one hand be like, hey. We're going to tackle all these issues about race and class and the suburban urban divide. But actually, no, we're not going to do any of that shit. We're just going to make a straightforward. You don't have to think thriller, um, but we're going to try and do it both at the same time. Um, but more than any of that, more than like and again, like the, the inconsistencies in the characters, in some ways I dug it, in some ways I took issue with it. But at the end of the day, two goddamn hours for this shit. <laughs> um i you know i got up and walked away i had to like deliberately set my phone aside but like fuck no <laughs> stop breaking the phone out like i mean like it's just kind of just kind of like okay we're running then they catch up and then we have a little conflict and then we're running and they catch up and we have a little conflict and then we're running and they catch up and we have a little conflict but one of them dies you know it, it's just like yeah uh if you like i don't think that there's zero value to this film like if you if you watch this when it when you were a kid going back to watch it now i think there's some nostalgia value here um, it's very much a slice of nineteen of early nineties. Um, so I think that yeah. there's some. I think that I think it's worth rewatching. On the other hand, I don't think it holds up. Is it a good movie? Like in this binary trap we kind of put ourselves in with this with this way we do this. I'm gonna have to say it doesn't hold up. Yeah, uh, those are good points about the this movie. This movie is 
makes itself to be pretty serious. It takes itself seriously, but it doesn't put the seriousness into itself. That's the problem. It, to learn that there was two heavy passes on the script, like two takes of it, made a lot of sense. Like, yep. Oh, oh, that's what. Yeah. Uh, there's a. There might maybe there's a different casting. There's a different script. But this movie could be a lot different, and that's too bad. Yeah. But uh, you know, yeah. If you just want to run around with some guys, you know. The characters, uh, not the characters, but the guys playing the characters, they're very engaging. Like, I, yeah. they keep me interested. That's some of the reason that I, I actually paid attention to the movie was because of Estevez and Cuba, Cooding really and even good. Dennis Leary, who, does, yeah, I mean, all of them got me interested. And there were moments where, like, wow, I'm really digging this conversation. But that was few and far between. It just wasn't yeah. enough. Yeah, so. I don't know, man. Like, uh, again, I, I know we're wrapping up, but, like, this is 93, and it's it's pretty much an action movie. And we're coming out of the muscle action. We're we're out of Van Damme and Schwarzenegger and Stallone, and finally we're Getting starting there. to bring tension back into action, which we hadn't seen in the '80s. And this is one of the first films of the '90s to actually have these really tense action sequences, like the mm -hmm. train sequence when he's they're trying to look for them. That's like twelve ah. minutes of. Oh man! Twelve, such a, twelve minutes, dude. But it's no, also very, it's, it's also very exploitative, in my opinion, of those people in the train that are and, not them. And what about? Just like, I mean, also, they do a fucking shit like job that. of checking these train cars. They're just walking by them and tapping on them. Like they literally walk by the train car that they're in and just kind of tap, tap, tappy, and then walk on. Like, of course, you're tap, not finding them. You're literally, you're literally not even looking into the train cars. Literally, uh, <laughs> you're just walking through and singing and shouting and making jokes, but not looking at the fucking train cars. And this scene goes on for like 10 minutes. Come on. Uh, we had some previous comments that I needed to go back to really from the show. Uh, this one's from Aaron. He says, Travis, Dana's asked, what did you oh, think Jesus. of Selena Gomez's acting in Only Murders in the Building? Perfectly adequate. Let's get back to the Poltergeist remake. Clown scene, incredible. Yeah, there's oh, the Poltergeist comment. We saw oh, that. Yeah, we saw that. Uh, okay. Also about the soundtrack, Faith Moore and Booyah treated the session as a traditional sample rap song. It rules. That's cool. And the Slayer drummer and the Sin Dog from Cypress Hill knew each other in high school. So there's a connection. I think that, I think that they uh, there may have been a connection with uh, Rick Rubin, I think, too, possibly, I want to say, for some of these performers. Um, oh, and, of course, uh, okay. the guys from, I mean, well, we talked about it, but even though they're not in the soundtrack, the guys from Tool and Raising His Machine went to high school together, too. Last thing, uh, the laugh out loud, the way you guys talk about Hood reminds me of that movie The Night Before, and not the <laughs> one with Seth Rogen, but the 88 version, he says. Oh, I have no idea what the fuck he's talking Keanu about. Reeves. So, no idea it. what that is. Here do I. Anyways, that's the movie. We did our best. Eric, we still love you. And I'm glad we watched the movie because I've been meaning to go back and watch the movie for a long time. So the purpose was served. And that's really what we do here. We try to serve a purpose, even if things don't work out ideally on the Cinema yeah. 9 podcast. Give my best. Uh, up a fight. <laughs> we have a show next week. So am I picking something now? Is that what's happening? It's your turn. Yeah, your you're, you're, you're turn to pick. Uh, all right. Well, let's go back to the old oh, list here. The old Pop list in. to do. See what's so up. What'd you do? By the way, I was thinking, uh, yeah, let's How do full Doug body do massage. He does uh, a poor job, apparently. Uh, he, well, she, she thought he did a good job, but it turns Spoiler out he alert. quite didn't do it that well. No. Um, <laughs> I was thinking that we have a rule. I don't know if we ever made this rule official, but even I know we did first reform. That was a special episode because it was the anniversary yeah. show and a lot of jokes about Paul Schrader, blah, blah, blah. That was fine. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, I think we should have a, 
I don't know if we ever agreed to this. Five year minimum, like no movie could be newer than five years. Oh yeah, even I thought that was been, uh, established. Yeah, that's been from the start. Good. So when the yeah, yeah, calendar yeah. turns to 2022, 2016 will open up to us. Yeah, Agreed? absolutely. I mean, okay, even films great. from 2017, if they're early. I mean, to me, I'm, I'm down to the release date as far as I'm Okay. Concerned. All right, good. I just wanted to re-clarify and establish that. And for those of you that may not have known what our limitations are here, we have a five-year minimum, but you got to go yeah. back to prior. So, And I was thinking about a movie that was close to that. That's why I wanted I think to ask. the most recent film we've done, though, is like still like 2013 or something like that. Yeah, beyond first reformed, I think it's one of your 2012s yeah. or 20 or the 2013 scary movie that came out in 2012, but it was released in 2013. Or Maybe this is 40. Beyond the Pines. Oh, that was 2012. The scary um, movie you made us watch. Uh, your next. Your next was 2013. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. So uh, I've been striking things off the list. We've been going bit by bit here, and um, I don't know what to do. Uh, you know, we can go a lot of directions. I guess I do like playing the game where I give you the game that one of you guys started where I give a couple ah. years and you pick the year. Uh, so here's what I'll do. All right. I'll give you 1985. Hang on. Oh my God. Uh, 2004 <laughs> or 19, nine, uh, uh, 2005, 2005. So 85, 04, 05. Oh man. I'll, I'll take say- either. I, yeah, go for it, man. I was gonna say 04. Yeah, I was gonna say anything but the 04 one. <laughs> oh, I know it's gonna. I just, it's clearly Aviator, and I just watched it. And <laughs> right, so you guys I'll are in disagreement here. 05, then 05, I'll say. I it, what if I said the 04 is not Aviator? It's definitely not. So <laughs> would that care. make it better? I'd say, I'd say 04 or 05. I don't care. Yeah, I'll go with the 04. I'll take a chance. Take a chance. Oh. All right. Well, uh, let's do it then. Uh, the 04 movie is The Girl Next Door. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I used to have a box copy of this one. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, right now. Well, I don't know how long it's long, been. Long, long, long fucking time since I watched it. Perfect. That's perfect then. That's what we're looking for. So, yeah, next week we'll do The Girl Next Door starring Emile Hirsch and what's her face? Alicia Cuthbert. Alicia Cuthbert. Yeah, there was a time in this country where Alicia Cuthbert basically owned every male in this country and females who probably loved her too. Anybody who found her attractive, it was impossible. She couldn't ignore. She is Canadian, though, which is funny. All right, so that's what we'll do next week. Yeah, she is. Live and uncensored. The 2004 film, The Girl Next Door. So thanks for joining us. Judgment Night is in the can. Uh, Boy. We hope you enjoyed it. We always love doing the show. We'll see you guys next week on the Cinema 9 Podcast. And don't call me Francis. Check that meatloaf.